What's up, everyone? We are joined here today on Server Mindsets by Mr. Ron Rowe. Ron is the CEO of AWARE, and that's spelled A-W-A-I-R. Welcome to Startup Mindsets, Ron. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's great to be on and be part of the community. Thank you. Great. And I guess, Ron, thanks so much for being here on, on the call. Uh, just for context for the audience, um, again, this is Earl. Ron and I worked together probably like almost 10 years ago, Ron. Crazy, right? Uh, at Cisco. Don't do it. Their, Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> in, their, uh, in their emerging technology team where uh, we basically, Cisco incubates new businesses. And Ron was, uh, uh, I guess, a product manager in one of their units. And then a couple of years after, he messaged me and said, Earl, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to start this company in IoT. And uh, I just remember um, during the time you mentioned to me that, you know, especially you're in an accelerator, I think it was Techstars, that you were literally having a few hours of sleep per day. And that's the time that I knew that, that uh, this thing will just get really serious, right? And uh, you know, just to follow your journey over the past, you know, couple of years, um, building it to kind of where it is now is super inspiring. So thanks, Ron, for making the time here. And, uh, you know, maybe for context, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the co-founder of uh, AWARE. We focus on providing healthy buildings and spaces. So what we mean by that is we spend a lot of time in indoor spaces, whether living or working. So, you know, our approach to all this is data-driven solution for making these spaces healthy and safe for all of us. So we started in 2013. So it's been a uh, little over seven years uh, at this. So, you know, in terms of a, a journey, uh, if you have done anything like this, you understand it's always the roller coaster ride, ups and downs. So, happy to share some of our good memories and bad memories That's and awesome. all <laughs> in between. Yeah, I guess uh, I'm curious about how did you get the idea for Aware, um, and was it always Aware when it, when you uh, when you started? No, when we started, I mean, we we still um, our legal name for the company is Bitfinder Inc. Okay. So when when we first started, so Kevin Cho, Kevin and I have uh, started this company, and it, it was a just a um, um, sheer joy of dealing with a lot of sensors so at, at when we first started we didn't really have you know aware idea to uh, per se so in fact we when we first met we you know started building 3d printer together so it was not like you know let's dive into the sensors okay. first so it was really about you know what we are excited about because I, I think back then there was a book called uh, Makers. Um, um, right. Huh. And, I don't know if and the Makers was all about, you know, the future of uh, manufacturing that's going to be, um, that's going to be all uh, commercialized, I mean, consumerized uh -huh. uh, through the technology like 3D printing and the maker movement. So we, we, we were just passionate bunch of, um, that book and when we first met we were really excited about 3d printing and fast forward we uh we um i was at cisco i was at the smart buildings group and as a pm there i got to know i got to understand what it means for these buildings to be managed 
which perspectives. You know, so much time is spent and energy uh, saving, but going forward, you have to have a perspective. These buildings need to be managed from the perspective of people inside of it. Um, and what would that mean by having data on certain components like indoor air quality, environmental components? And we went at it. Um, you know, we first had the residential products uh, for for homes, uh-huh. and we now have commercial offerings for commercial buildings and schools and hospitals. So, um, yeah, that's kind of our inception story. And when we first met, <clears throat> we both had kids. Um, I have three kids now, and my my first one, Ella, uh, she. I was born with pretty serious eczema. Okay. And uh, Kevin's kids had uh, a pretty serious asthma. So we we kind of had to go through a lot of humidifiers and purifiers and uh-huh. all sorts of stuff to keep our environment safe for them and healthy for them. But we just couldn't figure it out. We just did not have solutions to provide the peace of mind uh, for us to feel like, man, this you know our our home. Is, is a great environment for them. For them. <clears throat> so we, we started putting together a few sensors like temperature, humidity, uh, carbon dioxide, uh, PM 2.5. And at that point, we were just looking at from the perspective of how do we make sense of our environment first? Sure. So we needed to get some data and then get to action because, you know, a purifier would not fix everything. A humidifier will not fix everything. Right. So we just needed more data around what's happening around us and how could we get to the, the right solution. That was the mindset. Wow. Yeah. So I think if say, let's say let's let me ask this. If you didn't have kids, would, would the company have ever started? Like, would you would things be different if uh, there wasn't that immediate need? Maybe, maybe? idea our ideas would have been different. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think I would have <laughs> still started a company. Um, I mean, at that point, I was itching and kind yeah. of going way back, um, way, way back. My my dad, uh, my both of my parents, they uh, they're in academics and they were both in in uh, their professors. And my dad would always tell me that his dream was to start a kimchi company. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a kimchi company? A kimchi. A kimchi f- Kimchi factory. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Kimchi factory. That okay. was his dream. Do you have like a family recipe? That's why? Or? <laughs> <laughs> my, my mom, my mom uh, uh, majored in food and nutrition. And her, her oh. thesis, PhD thesis was on uh, fermented foods. And kimchi no was uh, kimchi. Oh, okay. Was, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the perfect storm there. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, my dad always wanted together both of them wanted to start a kimchi factory and that this is like early 70s so fast forward they, they in in the u.s there are huge you know a few kimchi factories and companies that have really done well and that was his dream of having uh the the factory of they could make kimchi in you know outside of korea oh wow so but he never he never had a chance to and he always always when i was growing up he always would tell me hey uh if you have something if you have something that you really want to go after whether it's an idea or just the feeling of starting a company even if it's just a dumb sense of i would just want to start a company go do it 
because uh, he 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 had he had this feeling of I should have done it for. Wow! The, yeah, yeah, that feeling of regret. Sure. Yeah, the for forty, fifty years of his career uh, uh, that he oh. had. Uh, he, and my, apparently, my mom just never wanted him to start, start <laughs> that. <laughs> so uh, he never got that nod from uh, from the the head of the head of the household. Family, I guess so. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I guess uh, Rod. The, the question I have now. I mean, interesting to hear the story is. You know how come that you had I guess the courage to actually make it happen, right? Uh, because a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, especially you know, households, uh, the majority of people talk about ideas, right? Talk about building factories and building businesses, but very few actually do it, right? So, what is that X factor that you had in order to actually make that leap, right? My um, my my wife. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> <laughs> so, so if, if we go back to the story, uh, Jonghyun, my wife, uh, had a different thought. So she, when when we were in Cisco, yeah, um, yeah, we were just uh, talking about a few things, and my wife just got fed up with it, and she said, like, if you're just gonna be talking about all these things, just <laughs> you, why don't you at least, uh, why don't you at least do a moonlight uh, project or something, so that if you can. If you can know that your passion will be sustained and the driver will be there, then uh, I don't want to live with you by like ha hearing all these complaints about not, not <laughs> cannot, you know, couldn't do it because of family kind of thing, right? So I guess, I guess you start with uh, talking about it a lot, a lot so the people will hear it. Sure. <laughs> if, if the household, the head of the household says, I'm, I'm fed up with it, I can't hear it anymore. <laughs> and she has the audacity to say yes to it, then I guess that was the my, my go sign. Yeah, no, that's a funny uh -huh. point, actually, Dan. You know, it's, uh, so when, when before, uh, I guess, I took the leap to, uh, to start my fintech, I had a conversation with a, a guy named Dado Banata. He's one of these uh, luminary um, hardware investors in the Valley focused on semiconductors, but he's a, I'm Filipino. He's Filipino. He's one of the most famous, prominent Filipino um, investors. And I asked him, like, how did he, you know, basically start the company? And he actually said very similar to you. His wife has, like, he's been talking about, like, the startups all the time. And, uh, you know, he was hanging out with Steve Jobs and all that. And literally, like, his wife is like, are you going to do it, right? Like, are you going to do it or not do it? And let's not talk about it anymore if you're not going to do it. Right? <laughs> 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 that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. But that's, you know, the, look at if you if I look at seven, eight years that, you know, we both had to go through. Uh, we had three kids in between. Um, I mean, we have two more kids. Uh, we had one kid um, when we first when I first started. But it's such a, a journey that my wife was like, I just don't know what I said <laughs> yes to. <laughs> I just, and, and so many times, so many times that I, uh, you know, we're laughing right now, but it's hard. It's hard, especially if you have family. I think it's, you know, both sides of the coin because um, you, you can go through this because you have family, because when you come home, knocked out multiple times, and then you still have family and you still have kids that they don't care about what you what happened in your work and mm. the only, only thing that matters is you in front of them and it, you know your loved one you as long as 
you know, your loved one will be by you, uh, right beside you, what, no matter what happens. And I think uh, that's kind of the, the motivation that you can, you know, pop through this the whole hardship. And I know we're talking about mindset, but mindset is not, uh, mindset is not a, uh, a constant. I mean, sure. a single constant. It's sure. a, mm-hmm. it's something that will have to be built um, with people around you and with circumstances around you. So, uh, you know, some someone might be uh, born with this crazy mindset that no matter what happens around the person, that they could keep that uh, passion and drive. But for me, it was never that. It was it was really the supporting cast uh, and the family that that made that helped me to keep that mindset yeah absolutely you know you guys you guys are in the hardware space and uh every vc says or everybody says hardware is hard um what what kind of challenges would you would you say you overcame in the hardware space i guess you know when you were a very young company how did you guys sort of keep building when um you 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 didn't know if things were going to happen or not like you didn't know if you're gonna get sales or investments or what you wanted. Yeah, hardware is hard because uh, because of a few things. One, um, you know, you just have to. You just you are uh, dependent on the manufacturing process, mm-hmm. and if you don't completely own the manufacturing process in terms of like supply chain to production to logistics. And there is no way you're gonna own all of that. Mm-hmm. And even Apple doesn't own it. You know, they <laughs> work with partners. I mean, obviously yeah, they have yeah. a, a huge say in all of the, the the dynamics of it. But as a startup, a lot of times when you start, when you begin, you just don't have leverage. You just don't have leverage on these suppliers, you know, productions, schedules. I mean, if they are, if you're gonna, let's say, go to a huge manufacturing partner and say, Hey, we're building this and we don't have any customers. Can you pour us? Who's going to listen to you? Right. Sure. Uh, versus software, you just build it. And, and <laughs> you know, it's, will will and, and there will come is a different story, but that was, that's the hard part. Uh, now in order for you to really mitigate as much risk as possible in the beginning is I think all about people, either you hire the experts around, let's say even down to the mechanical design. Um, can, can you have the team that, could, that you could rely on when it comes to molding, designing, designing the molds of the product and all the way to production scheduling, to, to uh, logistics and everything, unless you can do them all by yourself. So mm-hmm. I think surrounding the founding team with a lot of experts or partners that you can trust uh, sure. for the company to go through the uncertainties and the and the lack of leverage that you have around the supply chain uh, is going to be it's going to be key right. for any hardware startup. So, um, so I guess uh, Ron, you talked about the supply chain um, partners, but uh, I guess Dan and I are also curious on kind of your funding journey, right? Because, you know, again, hardware is hard. And if VCs are a bit cheapish on hardware uh, versus, versus, let's say, building kind of social apps, right? Um, 
what is, you know, how did you go through that? And what emotions did you go through at least in kind of fundraising, especially like if you have people working now for you, it's not just the founders, right? Um, love to hear that uh, kind of from you. Yeah. I don't know about, I mean, I, I, I understand every fundraising process is hard. Like it's a difficult <laughs> process and no matter what you would see uh, and read online, every founder I know is going through a lot of ups and downs when they're going through fundraising process. Uh, it's just nature of it. So if somebody comes up and say, Hey, you know, my fundraising, whether it being C, A, B, C, D, and my, my fundraising has been just smooth sailing. I don't know what you're building. But, <laughs> uh, uh, I would love to know more. So I'm really, I really have a perspective of fundraising is always going to be hard. Um, how much traction you have, you're just going to, it's, it's going to be a hard process because one, you're giving up, you're giving up a, a, a significant portion of the company. So understanding what that means and understanding what that entails in terms of partnership, you know, some say these investor partnerships are even uh, more complicated than marriage. But I think, I think what it means is you, you're going to have to pitch. You're going to have, first of all, you're going to have to, um, you know, under, under, really understand how you want to tell your story, right? Because it's all about the story. You're, you're talking to people. You're not talking to a machine. You're not talking to a machine that who's about to check boxes for you and then say, oh, wow, nine out of 10. Here you go, the funding, right? So you're going to have... You have to understand the dynamics of talking to investors who would have all these different kinds of questions or questions, allegations sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and motivations uh -huh. uh, and interests, right? So that's why getting introduced to that of investors as much as possible will save your time because now you can at least understand what the other party might be interested through your. Um, through the person that introduced this, hopefully you have the trusted system all around so that you understand you're not just getting introduced to a, a random investor. For, for sure. So, so Ron, you were, you, um, you were part of Techstars and maybe one other accelerator. Is, is that how uh, the, the seed round? Yeah, yeah Aware, Aware uh, was part of two accelerators. One, Techstars, um, also, it was a part. It was a power by TechStars, the RGA accelerator. Now, RGA is a is a, dig, a digital agency out of New York. So, uh -huh. you know, RGA and TechStars partner up for IoT products, I, you know, IoT uh, specific companies. So mm -hmm. there was an IoT program um, out of New York, and then later on, we had a chance to go through uh, StartX um, oh, as Stanford. well in Palo Alto. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. As part of the program, um, you know, it wasn't as early as TechStars. Tech was really, really early. Uh, StartX was a bit later. That's that's super cool. Um, do you do you feel like you you know maybe you your mindset changed when like after the accelerator? Because like I mean, people can like, there's VCs and then there's angels who just give you the money and sometimes talk to you for advice, but then maybe going through like an accelerator, like a Techstars or Certix, um, does that really cultivate like a different mindset in terms of 
approaching fundraising or approaching uh, product development or like go to market like a lot different than yeah, what you originally had in your mind? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, it definitely helped me. Um, personally, definitely helped me um, because it, the, pro, the, the whole program is very rigorous in a way that it helps you understand what it means to one, uh, you know, pitch. Sure. Uh, and also work with early customers. You know, they really discipline you with your not only products, but also working with your, you know, let, you know, there's an article about first, uh, first thousand fans, uh, <laughs> you know, how, it, how it's important to have your first thousand fans. And also they connect you to um, a lot of investors and thought leaders in a, a wide ranging industries. So the connection that you build in the beginning, very early in your company, when you only have, you know, a few people, uh, most of the companies that come in, they only have a few people in the company at that point. So it really builds you the urgency, the pace, uh, understanding the conversation you are having with investors and thought leaders and, you know, influencers. Um, so it really helped me in a lot of ways, putting that, that urgency and structure mindset um, sure. in the beginning. Yeah. No, that's great. So uh, I guess Ron, throughout your experiences and, and now, right? Like if you had to, I guess, um, say what are your top, uh, I guess, one or two startup mindsets that you have cultivated over your lifetime, I guess, what would that be if let's say, uh, a person just uh, either considering or starting a company now or the things that uh, they should be mentally prepared to do? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all, we all talk about perseverance, right? But yeah. that's a, such a, a, a word that used so many times for so many con contexts, right? But I can't emphasize enough about being resilient um, because you're going to get so many no's, you're going to get knocked yeah. down, you're going to get <laughs> um, skeptics that it's going to just, uh, you know, crush your destroy, hopes, dis destroy your hopes, dis destroy uh, your, uh, <laughs> you know, they're going to find a way to, there's so many smart people out there, they could legitimately destroy your thoughts. <laughs> they could, Wow, that actually makes sense. You know that it it uh, it, 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 it might uh, my idea would never work at all, right? <laughs> there are so many smart uh, people that you would meet, and and actually would push you to think that this idea is a joke, that it will never work. Um, and you get ups where customers love you customers can't stop talking about your technology mm -hmm. and product and how it would help you and help them. Um, and, you know, they can't, they, they talk about it and they, you know, they, and those people who heard about you come at, come to you and say, Hey, we, we love what you do. So there's so many ups and downs, but I think it all comes down to, um, are you gonna, are you gonna plow through it? Are you gonna really, can you can you block the noise? Can you uh, sure sure yeah? Can you uh, can you go through the whole process without 
being too conscious about uh, what people might think of you. Sure. I think, you know, going off of that, Ron, um, what, what are some like the best memories, right? We started the podcast and you said, you, you know, you talk about like the ups and the downs. What, if, if there, is there like a specific moment when you're like, extra, extra happy about aware or like your time being see or, like your time there that uh, you're super proud of and don't mind sharing? Yeah. Team comes first. Um, you're going to, you're going to be able to uh, bring on so talented uh, folks and you're going to, in, in the course of the company, you're going to lose folks. Right. But, um, but if you can build a, a trusted network, whether you are now at the company or you, you are now in some other company and some other opportunity, but you still come back to, wow. to you know, share, share the love. Um, I think that, that talks a lot about the company's culture. Um, also the, the team that you're building. So team is the team that we have right now is um, what I'm most proud of. Uh-huh. Um, and that's something that I would never say that I, I built it. It's the, the team, literally <laughs> Kevin and I started it and then we were able to, you know, build a good culture around it. Uh, and then, and the, the, the up memories always, um, is tied to customers uh, for us, like whether it being, you know, users and consumers and, you know, commercial clients that come back to us and say, this is why we love you uh, and love your customer success team or love the product um, and love what we do and we love what we have and, and so on. So mm-hmm. it always, it, the up moments are related to the customer saying, you know, genuinely good things about how they are happy with us and our product. That's, that's great. Um, well, maybe like a few more questions from Ayanda and Earl's end. Uh, are there like, would you say like, you know, you mentioned your Korean, right? And like you had your dad who wanted to have his own company. Um, would you say, I guess I asked this just since in America, you see so many people from, I guess, fancy schools or like, uh, Ivy League schools or um, kind of, they seem like they have their lives kind of well together. Like, would you say that uh, your, like your um, immigrant, immigrant background uh, at all influences how you think about culture in terms of the company and, ter- and then in terms of uh, your mindset, like for, for what you wanted? I think so. I mean, the diversity part of our team is, as uh-huh. soon as you walk into our team, you're going to see diversity in, in our team. Uh, whether I intentionally did it or unintentionally did it, <laughs> it just uh, became part of our team. Now, the mindset-wise, um, you know, I was born in the States, but I, most of my uh, young days, I grew up in Korea. Uh-huh. So... Um, I think the mindset around, you know, I grew up mostly around a very competitive uh, childhood, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? So competitive childhood, just uh, just one way to put it, but there are a lot of negatives and positives around this competitive environment, um, whether it be academics or just whatever you do, you have to be recognized mm-hmm. and you have to be you know, top whatever percent. Um, I'm not sure if that actually had to do with 
the uh, wanting to do or wanting to build a company. Yeah. But uh, but one thing that I know for sure that what that did was like whatever people say, whatever investors would say, whatever the customers might say, uh, it just kind of gave me the motivations to to prove that it'll work. Whatever it takes, whatever sure. it takes, right? I'm still in the thick of the journey, you know. Yeah, I am. I am still struggling every single day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, anyways, so that's all to say. You just can. You just can um, build quickly the thick, the thick skin that you need sure, uh, yeah. in these conversations because the, the environment that I was brought up. You just, you just when you get knocked down, you just. Come, the only way up. is to come back come back up <laughs> hey, are, are you guys in international markets or just the uh, u.s um, we are focusing on north american markets but there are a few pockets of the world that we still serve uh-huh. uh because um you know something a uh, place like uk uh it's a market we still serve because it's a huge market for us and that, that there's a, a lot of demand Maybe this one question just randomly came up. Like, since since I guess people are sheltering in place right now, right? Like, there's not too much traffic. Do you think like um, your product or the company? Like, I guess do you think Aware's uh, yeah, the product and the customer is going to change because of? I mean, maybe not too many people going to work, right? And the coronavirus is, uh, I mean, lingering effects. Like, yeah, I mean, COVID nineteen definitely definitely gave us the awareness that that. Um, that increased the traffic to our website for sure. And mm-hmm. also um, the, the commercial clients, they are getting ready for re-entry. And we all know that the re-entry of these buildings and spaces are gonna have to face new norms around mm-hmm. cleaning um, to the ventilation, different capacity of these spaces. And now the new norm uh, is mm-hmm. going to include how these air, uh, indoor air quality is being managed and controlled throughout the, the spaces. So we're getting so much, so much demand. Um, uh-huh. You're seeing so much demand on those, you know, on those parts and like consumers too, uh, because they work and, you know, live in, in homes, uh, a lot of awareness around how the, uh, health and safety is impacted by indoor environment. Well, so what does what I guess aware detect? Like it detects pathogens or it detects dust? Um, yeah, I mean, we do not claim to uh, detect coronavirus. <laughs> uh, we, we, and to be clear, we are not. Uh, but <clears throat> we, we definitely, uh, we measure important stuff like carbon dioxide that is important for ventilation, a critical component uh, of understanding how you are ventilating your you know getting enough fresh air from outside and right, to, uh, right. ventilate throughout the the space temperature humidity 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 becomes a, a huge factor both temperature and humidity become uh, a huge factor for any pathogens and viruses um in fact recently uh, department of homeland security they uh they published a paper how the, how the decay of virus is related to temperature and humidity levels. Uh-huh. So it's important to now people understand how it's in, how important it is to at least understand what's going on in your place and what you need to do about it. So 
you know, whether it's been humidifying, you know, whether it's been purifying or ventilating, uh, you just need to understand where your space is, how, uh, how your space is to, to mitigate it. Hey, Ron, um, you know, great, really insights, uh, I guess, you know, here. Um, you, we typically end this, uh, this, this session or this podcast or interview with two, two basic, basic questions, but I want to kind of switch it up a little bit. Um, so if you had to give advice to your, uh, I guess, 20 year self, uh, old self right now, um, two things. One is what resources or, um, you know, books or information that you would at least tell him so that he can become a potentially, you know, someone like you in the future, a startup founder. Uh, and then the second one is, you know, how, what's part, your parting advice to him on how to cultivate his own personal startup mindset? Yeah, I mean, absolutely what uh, I, would, I would have done more in my 20s would be uh, proactively look for people who have already done it, whether it being in startups or um, different jobs or, you know, if you're looking for a, a job at a company, uh, you know, go look for people who have similar or different backgrounds that you may have and then see what they say and how they actually ended up there. Same thing with startups. Go make sure to uh, get connected to potential investors, whatever investor that you can think of, understand their mindset, why they, they invest or invested in certain companies, what do they like about it, um, <clears throat> and go talk to startup uh, founders who actually have, uh, for some reason, you know, may have to <clears throat> uh, close down their companies. Or, you know, go talk to folks that have, <clears throat> that are in the thick of things that are just really, you know, going, going through it like me, you know, I'm, I'm struggling every day right now and trying to make it, make it work. Yeah. Uh, go, go talk to folks that who have done it well. Um, and it takes effort, energy, perseverance, because they're going to say no to you. Like they, in, 20, yeah. in 20 years, what do you know? <laughs> and why do I need to spend time with you? You're going to get like 90% <laughs> of your calls be like, uh, no. Right. But you, that's only way you're going to, uh, you're going to hear about it. I actually, I actually had a guy, uh, out of university of Michigan, just out of blue, just out of blue email me and said, Hey, I'm so-and-so at, at, at UMish. Uh, I saw you that, that you went to UMish and then they went to tech stars and whatnot. And I just wanted to, uh, understand your mindset. I think he literally said mindset. Okay. <laughs> so when I first, you know, I get these emails a lot. Uh, and you know, anybody who's in the industry will get a lot of those emails. So I first ignored, and this guy would come back to me every week in different format, in different kind of acts. <laughs> so, so you gotta be, you gotta be, you know, uh, street smart about this. You can't be like, hey, I'm following up with you, just in case. Like nobody's gonna. They, they might block you altogether. Yeah. But if you can be smart about what you're asking, I essentially I ended up talking to him and I'm going to, you know, try to, you know, give him, give him whatever I can be helpful to him. Yeah. We'd love to share this podcast with him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think what, what uh, will I, what will I, I would do to my 20 year self or early, you know, younger self that uh, is to be more proactive in reaching out for help or ask advices. 
Um, and then another thing is, um, there's a book called Unashamed um, hmm. by uh, by Lecrae, the hip hop artist. Okay, it's kind nice. Of, it's a kind of a different book, um, and it talks about how he had to go through some some crazy ups and downs and essentially the book is telling you you're gonna have your own story uh be comfortable with your own story uh, because everybody's gonna have a different everybody should have different story but we all live in this era of reading and getting access to what what people um what people have done and how they have done it right so i myself sometimes go through this a lot of struggles and ask myself should i should i be comfortable of my own story and how it's panning out or should i try to do that way or this way that is mm -hmm. being published mm -hmm. um i think if we all become more comfortable of our own story and how it's developed and how it's going to be developed then we can it, take the right actions. Yeah, we we're gonna we're gonna be able to be more creative with our own solutions, not just looking for the solution that that might that the world might might be giving you. Um, so that book was pretty inspirational for me. Um, I don't know how long how how old that book is, but uh, it was a pretty good book and just uh, forced me to think about my. Uh, my own my own story a lot for for sure yeah it's, i love that response uh answer man um maybe one more thing that just popped in my head was uh wh where do you see aware and you know what what are the goals for aware like just in general not don't have yeah. to bring in numbers and all this sure bullshit sure. crap that <clears throat> investors like just um what's the dream your, your, own, I, your own dream yeah <laughs> i i you know our you know, our mission is to provide healthy, I mean, allow healthy buildings. So what that means is we're going to have to be in all of the built environments, whether it be houses or buildings. Um, you know, our sensors need to be all around. And for us, we, we want to get to it. We want to help uh -huh. uh, when these buildings are managed and controlled by the perspective of people's health and safety, not only energy efficiency. You know, we talk a lot about net zero green buildings, which is, which is very, very important for our environment. Um, and at the same time, we just need to understand what it means to run these buildings from, from our health and safety's perspective. And, and that I think because of recent, mm issues of um you know coronavirus people are acknowledging and understanding the the problem even more so we have a lot of work to do but um once like if you're sitting in that room and we're sitting in this room do we know when uh when to ventilate <clears throat> and do we maybe can we just sit here and and not worry about when you know not worry about when it needs to be ventilated, it should be just ventilated by itself. If the CO2 is high and then it's going to impact my productivity, it should just, you know, the HVAC should run it. Why, it's, why is that not happening right now? We have, that's why 
that's why Aware has a lot of work to do. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So if I, if I get this right, can people buy Aware um, from uh, like like your website? Like, is it is it that, Amazon, right, Ron? Yeah, it's on Amazon, um, and it's on our website as well, getaware.com. Um, and for commercial uh, offerings, uh, we work with them direct. Great. Well, cool, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I guess, I Ron, yeah, this is an amazing episode here. Uh, we touched a lot on many different aspects, and uh, I'll always remember the, uh, the, the kimchi dream. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my mom still talks about it. My dad, unfortunately, passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but I still, that kimchi factory. You know what? This, this is like maybe just one minute. Sure, a sure. Very, a very in, uh, interesting episode, uh, uh, story. So one of our clients who's based out of San Francisco and one of their headquarter buildings right in the, uh, right in the middle of Soma area, I went there and talked with the facility managers and whatnot. And, the guy was saying, this building used to be kimchi factory and it's still owned by the person who, who ran and owns, still owns the kimchi factory. No way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, apparently there were kimchi factories right in the middle of San Francisco. I didn't know that. Wow. wow interesting. Yeah. I always thought fortune cookies, but I didn't know kimchi too. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, that's great. I guess on that note, anything else, Dan, before we wrap up? Thanks so much, Ron, for, uh, you know, being here and lending us your brain for, uh, I mean, last uh, half hour or so. And uh, yeah, man, looking forward to the work that Aware does and, you know, really hope that um, you and the company can make buildings safer and uh, healthier. You got it. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. That does it for this episode of Startup Mindset's podcast. Once again, this is your host, Dan. And just to reiterate, you guys can find Ron's company at getawair.com or Amazon if you're looking to better uh, the air quality of your rooms or your houses. And thank you guys so much for listening. Peace. <laughs>